When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a Voice of the Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Uh, we're back for another episode and we are back to discuss Watford's 1-1 draw at St Andrews in the Championship. Um, away to Birmingham City. Um, it... it it was a point on the road. Watford are still unbeaten. Played four games now, one, two, drawn two. Um, the two draws that came away from home, and yet we, we picked up that draw yesterday at St Andrews. Um, but me and Mike are going to get our teeth into the performance, um, the standouts, and um, I think it's been quite a quiet day as well, um, Watford news wise. Um, so not much <laughs> else to talk about, really. Only joking. Um, massive news breaking today about. Our young Brazilian striker, Jao Pedro. I would say being linked with a move to Newcastle United, but it looks very, very likely that he is on his way to Newcastle United. There's mixed reports coming out at the moment. But me and Mike will talk about Jao Pedro after we've done a review against uh, about the Birmingham City result because um, that's what we was, we was planning to do. And then the Jao Pedro news broke during the day so we'll slot that in towards the end so if you're watching on YouTube and you've got any questions about Joe Pedro we'll see it pop up but we'll come back to that later on if you don't mind um so yeah first things first Mike um I saw you uh yesterday we both attended the game our first um Voices of the Vic away day together um we've done many away days before but our first official Voices of the Vic um away day enjoy it mate yeah um my voice is a bit hoarse this morning uh, well, today, sorry. Uh, completely lost it last night. I rang the missus just before I sort of slumped into bed uh, and my voice was completely gone and I woke up a bit sore-headed this morning. So, yeah, uh, enjoyed it. Nice local one for me. Saw a few old faces that I hadn't seen for a while, so it was nice to see everyone. Um, just a shame we couldn't get three points, but as you said at the top there, Ben, still not lost. A point on the road, ravaging two points a game and, and that, that sort of form will get you up. So, all in all, a, a decent day uh, yesterday. Yeah, really enjoyable day. Um, my first away game for two and a half years. So I was so looking forward to it. I um, got the buzz back and um, I want to do so many more again. Um, before COVID and my daughter and getting married, I used to do probably about 10 away days um, a season. And it was so hard not to do any for about two and a half years. But yeah, I've got the bug back now, mate. And hopefully many more will come this season. Just don't tell the missus. Luckily, she's out tonight. <laughs> but, uh, she's not going to listen in on this unless she, she watches or listens to this back. Uh, but I must say as well, before we get into the Birmingham City um, review as well, if 
there's a possibility I might have to dart off. And if I do dart off, don't worry, everything's all right. Just uh, I'm in the house on my own with my daughter and I've only just managed to get her to sleep. That's why we're recording at 7.40. I, I bet a few of you was thinking, why are they recording at 7.40? She's got such a strict routine and it's so hit and miss sometimes. So if, if I dart off, Mike's going to carry on. He'll ask for questions, whatever. So you guys help him out. But yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be back. But fingers crossed she stays asleep. I've managed to get her to sleep. So go dad. Um, but yeah, straight into it. So Watford picked up a point on the road at St. Andrews yesterday. 1-1 one, one, um, draw. Uh, the team news was Watford went with a 3-4-1-2 formation. Uh, Daniel Batman in goal. Christian Cavaselli, Siri Elta, Craig Cathcart, uh, Mario Gaspar, Edu Kuyembi, Hamza Chowdhury, Ken Semma, Yasser Espria, Vacuum Bio, and Joe Pedro. Um, I was, I was going to say, was there any shocks looking at that team news, Mike? But obviously, the moment that team news went off, everyone got that notification. Everyone was like, Where's Ismail Assar? What's going on with Ismail Assar? So would that be the only um, worry that you saw in that starting lineup, or the only change that you was a bit unsure about? Because we was talking before the game in that, and I said to a few people, I heard before the team news was announced that he he was generally injured. Um, so I wasn't concerned when I did see him missing. And then Watford came out after and said that he he was carrying a knock because he was substituted in that second half against Burnley quite early on. So Mike, was was that the only worry from that team news that Ismail Assar was in it? And what was your thoughts behind that? Yeah, a bit like yourself. Uh, we was in the pub uh, beforehand and uh, I met Sam from WD18 and uh, he told me, he says, the news is that uh, Sars injured and not going to play tonight. And obviously before, the well, on the day yesterday, the links of Crystal Palace had come up. So you you mm. sort of putting two and two together and possibly getting five. But um, it, it does sound like he was genuinely carrying a knock, as you say. So, yeah, of course, to have a player like Ishmael Assar missing, it, it's going to be a massive blow. Uh, I feel like he would have been a really good, um, really good outlet to have. You know, Birmingham were playing a lot of young kids. And I think their right back that, that was playing last night was uh, fresh in the squad and it was his first full game for him. So, He'd have had an absolute nightmare possibly against Ishmael Asar or it would have been good to see Ishmael Asar go up against someone like that and I think we would have took advantage of it in that respect. But yeah, um, other than that, I was a bit surprised to see Espria starting in that uh, what I would say is the, the number 10 role that he was starting in. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting cleverly to play because of the injury he picked up against Burnley, but I was perhaps maybe expecting Gosling to, to fill in instead of cleverly. Uh, and obviously, we knew that Kamara was suspended. So to see uh, Ken drop back to where he was before, uh, not a problem. And to be honest, I, I think Ken had a very, very good game. Obviously, we thought it was him that scored, but it, it turns out it was Manoy. But um, yeah, other than that, I, I, I wasn't that shocked. But obviously, seeing Saar not in the starting eleven wasn't wasn't great, to be honest. Yeah, um, Joe Thomas, a good friend of the podcast, just came up and said that uh, Saar was withdrawn. It's more of a precaution due to the interest from Palace. So I strongly believe that as well. I do think that he was carrying a knock and also that the rumours were probably behind the scenes that Palace were very seriously interested in him as well. So it was maybe both of them at Watford didn't want to risk him due to injury and also because they want to wrap in cotton wool in case this does materialise with Crystal Palace. It, 
what I will say is it will be very interesting to see if he's in the match day squad on Saturday because Rob Edwards did say after the in the uh, game yesterday saying that he should be more he, he should be back from injury on Saturday. So if he's not in that match day squad, then obviously yeah he's off to Crystal Palace or another team if they come in for him. So that will be one to watch. Uh, Mike, also, Vakun Bio got his first start last night. Uh, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, um, I, I thought he was all right. He's, he's got a bit of stick on Twitter today, I noticed. And um, I thought he did all right when he came on against Burnley. He looks like he could be a handful. Uh, he hit the post, obviously. We, we yeah. didn't know that it hit the post from where we were stood. It looked like Cathcart had headed it all the way in and then possibly it was cleared off the line. But, um, you know, he, he um, I think he played a, a couple of good balls through as well to get us from the front foot attacking wise. So I think he can be a handful. And I think if we get the right players around him, I think he can score goals in this league. Absolutely. Um, he, he's, he's not afraid to try and get up and, and win a header. But I think once that first goal comes for, for Bayo, I think we'll, we'll see the rest of them go in, to be honest. Uh, I, I do, I do like what we've got in that player, um, and yeah, like I say, I think he can score a, a fair few goals this season. Yeah, he does do a lot of running for the team as well, so it'll be interesting to see how he does develop this season. And yeah, like you, I saw a lot of negative comments about him as well. And look, just let's just get off everyone's backs at the moment. We know it's a new, new head coach, new players coming in. Let's not write them off straight away after their first starts. I've seen lots of people comparing to Andre Gray. All I'll say to that is behave. Um, just, just, just behave. <laughs> um, also, like you said, uh, Mike, Yasser Espria, he did pick up his first start. I was very impressed with him. Uh, a lot of people might not have put him into that starting lineup. Like you said, maybe Dan Goslin would have came in as more of a like for like replacement for Tom Cleverley, but. Yasser Espria really took, took that opportunity yesterday. He didn't shy away from the challenge. And I thought he was probably one of the big standouts from a game yesterday, if not the standout. Yeah, you know what you're going to get from a player like that. You know, young South American lads just come over to England, wants to impress everyone. And he just did not stop running. And I think, you know, there, there are tweaks to his game which can be sort of perfected. And that will come with time. That will come with playing more games in the English League. But... From, from what we've seen already, a real live wire and he's another one. I, I don't think it will long before he starts creating more goals and he starts scoring more goals himself. And I, I say, I don't know whether it's because of the actual physical comparison or what, but he does really remind me of when Ashley Young broke onto the scene at Watford. Uh, yeah. I think Rob Edwards said it looked like he was a nine-year-old out on that pitch, but honestly, he was everywhere and you know, once he's perfected a few bits to his game, we've got one hell of a player on our hands and you can see why he was so highly rated. And there was a few fans amongst the negativity that said, you know, if we if we sort of coach him right and, and nurture him right, then he could maybe be even bigger than Pedro and Richarlison. But obviously it's early days to make those comparisons. But I was really impressed with, with Asprea. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's another gem that the Pozzo scouting network have have um, found, and I it's it's hard to judge him after his first start for Watford to say whereabouts he's going to end up. Is he going to end up on the same level as Jao Pedro and um, Richardson? We're just saying that because of the South American connections, but it's so hard to judge. But it's encouraging after that first start. Like within five minutes, he had the first shot of the game. Like. He, he drives to the edge of the box and had a shot and it, it just went over the bar, but it, it showed that he wasn't scared. 
and like he wasn't bothered by playing in a different country that he's never really played in the league before. He he wasn't he wasn't afraid of what was ahead of him. And like you got to remember, he can't speak the language either. But the mm. way he linked up with all his teammates were brilliant. It, it wasn't just Jao Pedro who's linking up with in the second half when Watford got their goal. We'll talk about it a bit more later. But he linked up really well with Gaspard over on the right hand side, and it just shows that. He's such an intelligent player for his age, and he's only 18. We've got to remember that we had Joe Pedro at like the age of 18 as well, and we've seen how he's um, grown and developed and the ceiling's so high for Joe Pedro where he can go. But I think it's exactly the same for Yasser Espirito, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we say, if we can nurture him and coach him right, like, bit like we haven't really been able to with Joe Pedro. He's played under some head coaches who haven't really had the chance to coach him as a player and sort of aid his development until we've got Rob Edwards now, who's known for his coaching with youth players. To have Rob Edwards in place now, hopefully for a few years, that will only mm. benefit Aspria. And like we say, the more he plays in the English league, you know, he's a young lad, he's got no fear, he's just come over here and he, he wants to play football and he wants to wow the crowd and you can see that. And I trust that Rob Edwards is the right man to coach him and uh, and use him you know, as and when we need to, because it's a long old season in the Championship. And I said at the start of the season, I did wonder if he was going to be more a bit part player that comes on towards the end of games to try and unlock some tired defences. But he got his start yesterday and I think he did Rob Edwards um, very proud, you know, paid him back for giving him his first opportunity. And I wouldn't take him out against Preston, no way. Nah, not at all. Um, I think he warrants another start and Fair play to him. Um, but yeah, we were just saying he had the first shot of the game five minutes in. It, it was 19 minutes on the clock when Birmingham City actually took the lead. Um, and you were saying before the game, during the game, we're going to lose this. We're going to lose this one nil, boys. And I was like, fuck's sake. Typical <laughs> might be negative. But um, I think you were just feeling like that because obviously your connections to Birmingham and that, and all your mates supported Birmingham as well. But that goal went in and it, it was a kick in the stomachs, wasn't it? It was um, a, a shot from um, George Hall's Hall right-footed into a bottom corner. Really poor goal to concede on Watford's um, side. I've seen lots of people um, blame Cabaselli for it. Um, I think he, he could have done a lot better, but equally, I don't think he was the only one to blame. Like, Where was the midfield to trap that run into a box as well? Who who was picking up that run? It, it was terrible. So I'm not... I'm not putting all blames on Cavaselli. He could have done a lot better, but where was the midfield? Where was the protection? Because if the protection was there, that wouldn't have ended up in the back of the net. What do you reckon on that goal, Mike? Yeah, uh, really disappointing one to concede, as you said. You know, that's that, that George Hall that scored it. That's his first professional goal at this level. Uh, well, obviously, because it's his first professional goal. Um, but he's been tipped to, to go to lead. So he's a player that they highly rate, but he shouldn't have had the time or space. And it, it's so easy to avoid. It, it was very much actually like the Cleverly goal that we scored against Burnley. It was a quick throw in, caught us out. Hogan pulled it back. It missed his intentional target. And there was George Hall just to sweep it in. And like you say, you know, really avoidable. The, the quick throw, we could have been on that a lot quicker. The cutback, we could have been on that a lot quicker. So yes, let's not pin the blame on one particular player. I think there were various players that should have been quicker uh, in, in reacting to it. So Disappointing to concede it. And yeah, as you said, you know, I was 
I went on Blues Focus Pod and said they were going to win it 1-0. I, I was speaking to a couple of my Blues mates in the pub before, said to them it's going to be 1-0. was speaking to Blues fans on the way to the ground, told them it was going to be 1-0. I just thought that it was written in the stars for Dini to score, but I also did think that if they got a penalty, Buckman is the only goalkeeper that would save Troy's penalty, but luckily we never found out. But disappointing to go 1-0 down, because no matter who you go 1-0 down against, you... You always feel like it's a bit of an uphill battle. It was a bit of a scrappy game anyway. Um, they were really, really hard to break down. So the fact that we then went 1-0 down when we were struggling to sort of find pockets of space in behind them was even more infuriating because you sort of felt like, yes, it was early on, but we're going to have to really try and break them down for the majority of the match. Are we going to have time to, to find the equaliser? Because they were really tough to break down and credit to John Eustace for what he's doing there. Yeah, no, 100%. He got the best out of his boys last night and that's probably the best performance Birmingham put in this season. Uh, the other performances have been really below par against Cardiff City and against that team up the M1. Um, mm -hmm. But Watford did try to get back into the game. They had a good opportunity with Bakun Bio where he, I think he kind of rushed his header and it went wide and I thought he probably had a bit more time to actually get a better connection on that at the near post. Um, then obviously we saw the little lovely chip by Jal Pedro over the top of the Birmingham defenders to set Mario Gaspar away and Gaspar gets to it slots it past the keeper but then uh, I think it was Sanderson yeah. cleared it off the line um, there was stills on Twitter and everything showing how close it was, it was millimetres I've seen people saying oh, if it was VAR it would have been given it wouldn't have been <laughs> given because we pulled it across the line <laughs> um, but it, it was so it was so close Mike and it it, it was it was good to see Mario Gaspar getting that far forward, wasn't it? Like, I, I know I wasn't his biggest fan yesterday and football's great with opinions and that. And I've seen people say that Gaspar's performance was good. Other people say it wasn't that great. But I personally thought first half he could have done a lot better um, going forward. Uh, he got in the right areas. What I didn't like is the lack of pace. And I, I should have expected that with his age. I'm still expecting a right wing back like Kiko, who bomb forward and do the overlaps. But we're not going to get that from Mary Gaspar. It's more about positioning-wise, isn't it? And getting in the right positions at the right time. Maybe we'll take that extra touch for him to get into the right position. And, and that certainly happened with that um, chance there, Mike, didn't it? Yeah, and like you said, he's another one that split hairs with the opinion of whether he played well or not yesterday. I mean, me personally, uh, I, I thought he had a very good game. I thought he looked good going forwards. Obviously created that chance. Uh, I believe it was his cross slash shot that sort of opened it up for Ken Semmer to go and have the shot which went in. So, you know, the, the fact that he was maraudering down that side every time, uh, he was up against a young lad as well, so he, he was never going to have the beating of pace against him. But as you say, when, when you've had someone like Kiko to compare him to, the, the partnership that Kiko and Shah had was on a different level. You know, we, we used to talk about it loads on the podcast. So to then go from that to a, a bit of a veteran in the game, if you like, we, we're not going to see the burst of pace that Kiko had. We're not going to see the overlapping all the time. And like you say, he's, he's a lot more experienced head. So he can probably make up for it in areas that Kiko couldn't have. But I think overall he had a decent game yesterday. Uh, I still think we could benefit with getting a right wing back in. A little bit disappointed that the Laird deal didn't go through and he's now gone to QPR. But uh, I, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't turn my nose up at another right wing back coming through. I think it would sort of ease a lot of pressure on Gaspar's shoulders as well because he's 
he's not got the legs, as you say, to be playing right wing back week in, week out. Yeah. Uh, I like to look at of Hungbo when he come on. So possibly is he he's is he someone we could see sort of playing that position and do that role? I think absolutely he could do. But yeah, I think overall Gaspar had a decent game yesterday. I was I was impressed. Yeah, I thought he got much better in the second half. I, yeah. I really liked how he played second half. And I, I was a bit critical of like we met up with people at half time at, on the concourse and I was a bit critical of um Gaspar and I hold my hands up and I just didn't like the lack of pace, but mm. the positioning wise and the, the quality on the ball, he has definitely got that and I just I don't think he's a right wing bat. I think it'll be interesting to see if he can maybe slot into that right centre um, yeah. in the back three. I think that's probably more suited for him because he hasn't really got the legs to keep going up and down. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see. Um, so, yeah, obviously Watford went in at half-time, 1-0 down. We all thought, fuck, here we go again. Um, yeah. It's going back to last season, poor performance and that. But to be fair, Watford created chances in that first half. They just didn't take them. Uh, I think there was a few unhappy Watford fans with the performance at half-time, but personally, I thought it was okay. It was definitely better than the performance away at West Brom, um, where we actually controlled the game a little bit more and we created opportunities. The only opportunity we had at West Brom was Ismail Asas from his own half. Um, so at half-time, few people were asking for substitutions. They were surprised that there was no substitutions made at half-time. Um, so the, the game kicked off again in the second half and it took to 55 minutes for that sub first substitution. Mike Temnitz into the second half. Bayo came off and Ray Minaj came on. Um, I think he made an impact straight away, didn't he, when he came to the bench. And it looked like he had a point to prove because maybe he wasn't happy that Bayo got the first start at Watford between the two because before Minaj, uh, Manais came off the bench ahead of so maybe for okay, I'm ahead of him in the manager's selection for attackers. But then he he didn't start the game. So maybe that was rumbling inside and going, I need to show the manager that I need to be ahead of Bio. Uh, do, do you think that that was possibly the reason why he, he, he looked so up for it last night? Yeah, and I think every player should have that sort of, you know, um, mind frame about him because, you know, they, um, they just... It's so early on in the season and everyone's position is to look for grabs, you know. I'm sure Backman will be working his absolute arse off in training and, you know, he's certainly <laughs> certainly proven his point in the league as well because, again, he had a he had a good game. Um, so, you know, th- there should be loads of players that are, are, are thinking that. And yet, Manol, we know what he offers. He, he comes on, he, he's, he's one of these that gets stuck in, does the sort of dirty work, if you like, um, bit of a you know, stocky bloke, so not afraid to leave one in on people. And um, I, I think as well, I, people might call, call me, you know, bollocks on this, but I think maybe the point of, he was the new Watford number nine and he was against the old Watford number nine, who was a legend. You mentioned he was getting, that yesterday, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was getting, you know, he got a good reception from the Watford fans uh, during the game, after the game, before the game. So maybe he had a little bit of a personal point to prove, as if to say, look, you know, I've got your number now and this is why I'm, I'm going to, you know, really work my socks off to show that they've not just given it to any Tom, Dick or Harry. Not not that it concerns Troy anymore, but I think on a personal level, he would have wanted to. But look, you know, in all seriousness, I think he would have wanted to show Rob Edwards what he can do. Every striker we got at the club will want to be starting. Even harder as well, because you've got the likes of Pedro, Davis, Saar, 
we've got some seriously strong, strong attacking options as it stands. So everyone, any chance they will get, like footballers should do at any level, want to show what they can do. And as you said, he made an impact straight away. I think we sort of created a half chance from it and and got a shot away. I don't think it did much, but um, he ended up getting the goal. We obviously thought it was Ken Semmer at the time. We didn't really care who it was. You know, went in and we went absolutely ballistic. But on the on the replay, it clearly shows that he got a foot in. And a lot of people will be like, well, you know, I, I saw someone on Twitter earlier actually say, why is everyone going so mad about Manoy? You know, all he did was he, he got a little flick on and everyone's saying he's the best player in the world. No one's saying he's the best player in the world, but as a striker, that's what you want to see from his strikers. You want to see, you know, sticking his leg out like that, getting a little flick. If he hadn't have done that for a winner, that, that could have been going wide. You need to be alert in the box yeah. all the time as a striker. And that's what he did. And he got the equaliser for us. Well, when when you look at back, because obviously no one really questioned that Manai scored the goal um, yeah. until he put a tweet, um, a post out on Instagram claiming his first goal for Watford. And then Ken Semmers left the old eye emojis underneath yeah. going, oh, are you sure? Um, but Ken, Ken knows that it was Manai's goal. And then Watford released a video on Twitter, didn't they? And you can see from an angle, you can even hear the connection. Yeah. But Manoy does change the direction of the ball very slightly as well. And when you look at the angle as well, you can see two Birmingham players behind Manoy. And if he doesn't touch a ball, I think they potentially clear that off the line from Ken Semmer. But because yeah. he's got that faintest touch on it, he directs it away from the two Birmingham players that was behind him. And it's ended up going in the back of the net. So, yes, we're not saying he's the best player to ever grace the football pitch, but he could show great. Um, instance to just get on the end of that to pop it in and fair play to him and yeah he, he's got his first Watford goal and he's up and running now but what I liked about him yesterday Mike as well when it was a bit quiet in that second half he's just entered the pitch he's I think he's just had a shot it went wide or something then it was still quiet but then he I think he closed the ball down by the corner flag by the Watford fans didn't he Mike and I think he won a throw-in for the team or something or a corner. And then he went up to Watford fans saying, come on, lifted up his arms. And that got the Watford fans going. And everyone didn't stop singing or cheering after that. And then that motivated the team to score because we scored about five minutes after that. So I'm putting Manai down for a goal and an assist, Mike. <laughs> that, we haven't seen a player do that since, funnily enough, Troy Deeney. Troy used to do it yeah. all the time. We'd win a corner in the rookery end in that corner, and he'd always be, you know, lifting his arms up, trying to G the crowd up. And that's what you want to see, you know, the players, it, it's so, it's straight out the cliche book, this is, but honestly, the fans can spur you on at any level. You play dog and duck league on a Sunday up until the Premier League in, in England, and any support you can get from the sidelines, it G's them up. And that's where the famous saying of 12th man comes in, you know, and yeah. I, I, I'm not just saying this because we're biased as well, and I've seen a few Blues fans say this. I thought our support last night was absolutely fantastic. It, it was. Like, I've not. You've you've not done an away for two and a half years. I think my last one was November when we lost to Arsenal, um, but I actually wasn't in the away end. I was just above them. So I'd, I'd sort of forgot about how loud the atmosphere can be. But I thought the atmosphere was superb yesterday. I mean. My voice is a bit croaky, so that's my evidence of it. But I uh, I think the away support is fantastic. And if we can take that along 
every week, then you know the, the crowd are going to win us some serious points this season. And fair play to Manoa for doing that, as you say. We scored not long after, and from then on, you know, we we were we were in good voice, and you could see the lads wanting to go and get that winner. But unfortunately, um, it, it wasn't to be. Wasn't to be, but it was close, Mike. Joe oh, um, Pedro, yeah. really good opportunity to get away from his man. Ran into the box, uh, running into the box at speed. And I think he just tried to hit it as hard as he could. And he tried to get it in that top corner, similar to like mm. what Connor Washington did for Rotherham the other night. Get it mm. into that really tight angle. Um, when obviously he should have hit it across the goalkeeper and he would have had a much better chance of scoring. That was such a big opportunity, Mike. And I said to you when that happened, I said, that's our chance. That's our one chance to, to win the game. And it was so, oh, it, it was frustrating, wasn't it, to watch Mike? I thought he was doing it to put off Newcastle. But it, you know, <laughs> as, as we'll speak about in a minute, it doesn't seem to have worked. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought there was a couple of sort of, not, I think stray moments is probably the best way to sum it up from Zhao. It certainly wasn't his best performance we've seen in a Watford shirt. Uh, could the new, Newcastle interest have sort of unsettled him a little bit, possibly? When it first came about, he, 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 I remember seeing the article from Fabrizio Romano, and then five minutes later, he posted or reposted uh, the pictures of... Um, he reposted the pictures of training, as if to say, look, you know, I'm still focused. Then he put a graphic up of Birmingham Watford, um, so, you know, quite happy, you know, seemed to be focused on, on the game ahead, but certainly wasn't his best game. And as you say, that was the chance, one-on-one. -on -one. Usually you'd back him as well. You know, he, he's he's not shy of scoring goals in this league, but as you say, I think he just tried too much. As you say, it, it would have been simple enough to just put it the other side of Ruddy and it would have been 2-1 and uh, we'd have been going away with two extra points. But I think on the whole, I think a point was a fair result, to be honest. We come up against a very well-drilled and very well-organised Birmingham City side. Uh, we knew Eustace had drilly sides like that. And, mm. you know, that's why, you know, we weren't exactly against the idea of him managing us before he, uh, before the sort of talks were shut down. But, yeah, uh, disappointed. And, and that was the chance, Ben. But uh, could that have been his last involvement as a Watford player? Who knows? Quite possibly, and it, it would be an absolute shame um, if he does go. And I've been so busy today, so it's been hard to try and keep up with all the news. And I've, I think I've managed to catch up to when we've recorded. So I don't know if there's been any news since we've started recording. I hope not. I've, I've got all the notifications to like Adam Leventhal and Watford and other people. So if it does pop up, I, I will let you guys know. Um, but yeah, I, I'll be absolutely gutted. Not because he's a... Um, I got him on the back of his my shirt last Friday. Love, it's classic, that that is, I am that guy. Oh, is it 15 quid to get a name and number on the back of his shirt? Um, but yeah, I, I did it. So what, what a mug. Um, but yeah, not, not because of that. Obviously, he's the most talented Watford player I've seen for a very long time, especially for his age. I think his potential is through the absolute roof. Um, so I'm going to be gutted if he goes and it looks very likely that he's going to go but we'll talk in depth in that a little bit more in a sec so yeah Mike 
before the game actually finished, we saw a Watford debut of Keenan Davis. He came on. He's joined the club after his move from Aston Villa. He's joined on a season loan with an option to buy at the end of the season. But rumours behind the scenes is that he's actually signed a permanent contract already. But who knows? Um, we'll, we'll see what happens and we'll develop from this story. Uh, but I think he touched the ball once. It went out of play, but it was under pressure when it went out of play. So, um, but... He also came on at the same time as Joseph Hungbo. And Joseph Hungbo was impressive, I thought. Um, yes, it was only five-minute cameo, but he did enough in that five minutes to show to me that he deserves a spot on that bench for the rest of the season because I thought he was brilliant. He wasn't scared. He was running the players at, at pace. He won a free kick in a dangerous area for Watford as well. Mike, impressed with Joseph Hungbo yesterday? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm surprised it's taken this long to see him. Uh, we all knew he had a brilliant loan spell at Ross County last season under Malky Mackay. And then he's come back this season and, you know, was heavily involved in uh, pre-season. So I thought we might see him on a bench at least. And I think this was his first bench appearance. I know we're still only four games in. But yeah, very impressed. And I think Keenan Davis should have been brought on probably a little bit sooner than, was it two yeah. minutes ago? Um, so I was a little bit disappointed at Rob Edwards for that. Um, he'll probably get sacked for that now as... Matthew Doyle's alluded to in the comments. We do like to sack our manager every two minutes, as he says. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I uh, I think Keenan Davies should have um, should have come on a lot sooner, especially against you know Birmingham. He, he he's not going to need any motivation to play. But the fact of he could be making his debut against the rivals of the club that he's just arrived alone from, you'd think that might gee him up that little bit extra. So um, yeah, disappointed not to see him come on sooner. But Hungbo really did impress me. And like I said earlier, I would not be against seeing him uh, in the team in, in the not-so-distant future because we, we know what he's like getting forward. It's just a defensive aspect that we, we don't know whether it's his sort of game. If he was to fill in at wing-back, we know he'd be able to do it going forward, but would, it, would he be able to do it defensively? We don't know. Um, but yeah, um, that I, I was quite happy with, uh, with, with Hungbo and it would have been interesting to see what he could have done if he was on the pitch a little bit longer. Yeah, it would have been interesting. I think he is definitely going to be involved more this season. And that, that's good. That's news to um, great news for Watford fans because we do like Joe Tumbo and we, we want to see more of him this season. Um, so that'll be good to see. Just quickly, Mike, just to round up the Birmingham City game, uh, sum up the performance for me. Please with the performance because I've seen a lot... Well, to be fair, I've seen a lot of negativity for Watford for it's been months, hasn't it? And it, it, it's doing my head in. But last mm -hmm. night again, I don't know if it's because Watford fans expected us to beat Birmingham City uh, because their performances have been poor, and Watford fans thought we could just turn up and get three points. But believe it or not, Watford fans, that's not how you win football games. Um, it. it and it definitely doesn't work like that for Watford. Um, you have to turn up, you have to put in shifts and you have to be better than your position. And unfortunately, yes, we had a lot more possession, but it's what you do with that possession. And we didn't have the better opportunities last night. Um, so, Mike, what do you reckon about that performance last night? It was an improvement. It's not there yet, but what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, what you just said towards the end there, it's not quite there yet. We're not the finished article, but we're still picking up points. I said this against West Brom. It might not have been the prettiest, but we're still coming away with points. Um, we, we were far the better side, but we weren't clinical enough last night. And that's what cost us um, completely the opposite to West Brom. You know, we, we weren't, you know, 
anywhere near as good and scored from 60 yards and then missed from 12 yards. So, um, yeah, much better performance-wise. I think we need, we, we're screaming out for Imran Loser in the middle of the park. My, my brother was sat with us and he said, you know, we, we're screaming out for a midfielder that wants to come and get the ball and carry the ball and link the, you know, defence and attack. So we're screaming out for that sort of midfielder. Whether we just wait till Loser's back, which is a uh, next month, or whether we do get one in before the end of the window, we don't know. But yeah, um, happy with the performance. Disappointed not to win it with Joe at the end, but I think the point was a fair result. Um, I, I, I know we're not going to touch on it, but uh, you could argue that Blues should have had a penalty towards the end, Hamza Chowdhury diving in. But um, yeah, point, fair result. And win your home games, lose your away, and uh, draw your away, sorry. And uh, so far, that's what's happening. So yeah, happy and wait till we do click. And I think we're going to see some really, really good stuff. Yeah, well, if you average two games, uh, two points a game um, in this division, it does get you promoted. That's what Watford's got at the moment. Um, so if you win your home games, draw your away games, that could get you promoted. Um, and Watford have done that so far. We've got to remember, I, I don't get the, the whole negativity about it. Um, Watford are still unbeaten. They're third in the championship going into tonight's fixtures, Wednesday night fixtures. Yes, we could potentially maybe drop down a, port, a, a place or two and burn. Uh, Blackburn could extend their lead at the top of the table. We're four games in. Just just calm down, everyone, um, on, on the performance-wise anyway. Um, but um, Joe Thomas um, has popped up and said, the problem with our fans is they expect things to happen instantly. Uh, we wanted a manager like Edwards to come in for so long. Uh, fans need to get off everyone's backs and be a bit patient. Um, good times will come. We're seeing little glimpses at the moment. It won't be long. And I echo everything you say there, Joe. Um, a lot of steps spoken there. Um, but I can also see the negativity from what the fans about the news that was broken today, Mike, because in the summer, um, Scott Duxbury promised that Joe Pedro would stay at the club. Um, they would maybe build a team around Joe Pedro. And since the rumours developed that Watford turned down a £20 million bid for him um, last week, was it, or start of this week, Monday, was it? Um, Watford rejected the offer the, the, Watford had gone back and given the valuation of what they expect for Joe Pedro and then news broke today that Newcastle have submitted a new bid for Joe Pedro and it's potentially getting accepted by the Watford hierarchy um, so I can see the negativity from what the fans on that basis as well where again promises it, if if the transfer does go through, promises have been broken from a hierarchy, and I, I stand with everyone on that because I'm fed up of being lied to um, by the owners of this football club and the chairman. But Mike, this is heart wrenching to see our favourite player, not our favourite player, our player with the most potential, the guy who's I reckon if we keep Joe Pedro, we get promoted. I think there's that much hopes on him as a player. But if we lose him, I really think we'll struggle um, to lose Emmanuel Dennis, already gone to Forest. Joe Pedro potentially very likely off to Newcastle United. And then the rumours of Ismail Assar off to Crystal Palace. If we lose all three of those, like, what the fuck's gone on? Like, <laughs> Watford, they've came out and said that Watford don't have to sell. 
we, we're not in a financial trouble to try and make money or get money back to get us out of out of the shit. So, so why not just rebuff all the offers that come in for Joe Pedro and just say, no, we, we've promised our fans that he's going to stay at the football club, but they've not done that. They've, they've crumbled at the second bid from Newcastle United. What's your whole take on this, Mike? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously it'd be disappointing to lose Joe. Uh, I think, you know, the Duxby did say that they'd want to build a, a, a team around him, but at the same time, uh, and I'm not saying that I agree with, you know, him saying that and then going back on their word. But at the same time, we know how the Pozzos work. They sign young players for a low fee and they develop them to the best that they can. And then they get a big fee for them. I can't remember how much we signed Richarlison for, but we then went and sold him for £50 million. Um Dennis, Dennis is a bit of a crap one, to be honest, because he's not exactly someone we bought in very young and developed. But we bought him in for three million and sold him for twenty million, so he's made seventeen million profit. We've made plenty of money off selling players and selling clauses for yeah. other old players this season as well. We definitely don't need the money. I will say this though: I, I can't remember who I was speaking to it about. It might have been on one of the other podcasts or it might have been on one of the Twitter spaces. But I do think that if they, if the, if Pedro and Sarr are to go, and a lot of people will disagree with what I'm going to say, I do think the Pozzos will have something up their sleeve. I don't yeah. believe that we would let our two best players go and then the Pozzos be like, uh, right, so what are we going to do now? Like, I think they will have someone. Yeah, exactly. I think they'll have someone up their sleeve. Uh, I think negotiations, if we are in negotiations with Crystal Palace, like it's rumoured to be, if negotiations are ongoing with Newcastle, like they're supposed to, and a lot of people, the Times have come out and said that it's pretty much a done deal. If these are the cases, we would be stupid not to be in negotiations with another club for their players. Yeah. Um, because we we cannot leave it this late. There's, what, two weeks left in the transfer window? Um so to lose two big players like that towards the end of the transfer window is an absolute, you know, sucker punch. But I would like to think that the Pozzos have at least got uh, enough credibility to to be talking to other players and to have other targets in those areas. Um, I, I think I would say as well that we don't know that this is what is happening. You know, it's all the times have come out and said it's pretty much done. Yes, you have your reliable sources on Twitter and whatnot, but I think we wait till the Athletic and Andrew French because they're the ones that I've got the closest ties. Where the hell is Andrew French? Can we get him back from his holiday? Because we, well, we, it's radio silence at the moment. We would need him back, don't we? We need him to yeah. break the news. He said to someone the other day, someone said exactly what you just said on Twitter, and he said that the only reason he's not been replying is they deal with facts. So that's sort of saying to me that it's all just hearsay at the moment. So unless something is solid in the water happening, he won't comment on it. But, you know, knowing my look, we'll come off this and we'll see an article from Andrew French uh, Andrew French saying that we've sold uh, Pedro. But the, the, the thing I wanted to just finish on with Pedro was I would be disappointed if it is 25 million. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago that I think Pedro can go on to bigger and better things than Richarlison. I'm not saying that we'd, we'd get 50 million for him now. 
But why not stick with him? If the player's happy to stay here, and it doesn't look like he's throwing the toys out the pram, regardless of how he played last night, if the player is happy to stay here, why don't we use him to our potential? Keenan Davis, the type of player that he was at Forest, he will automatically get, he will create chances for Pedro. And Pedro will easily get 10 goals this season if Keenan Davis plays week in, week out, and he plays like he did at Forest. Um, so if we can use Pedro to our full potential this year and he gets double figures and gets us promoted back to the Premier League, that automatically adds uh, a more value onto him. So I'd be really disappointed if it was 25 or 30 million that we get for Pedro. I had a Blues fan messaging me yesterday um, just talking about the game and he said, I don't rate that Pedro. I don't think he's worth 25 million. And I says, well, if you're judging it off that one game, then yeah, fair enough. But this guy is going places. He will play for a top six team. Mark my words. And people can screen record this and send it to me. I don't care in the future. I think it will happen. I, I think he's a um, waiting Brazilian international, mate. And I think he'll end up going to a World Cup to play for them and, uh, and win competitions with Brazil as well. Um, mm. I think really highly of him. Um, just quickly on a couple of points that you made, um, like you're saying, I think the Pozos could have a plan. I do agree as well. Look at the example of Emmanuel Dennis. Emmanuel Dennis, they knew there was interest in Emmanuel Dennis. They knew they had a plan on if Emmanuel Dennis does move, who are we going to target to bring in? And before Emmanuel Dennis even left the building, Keenan Davis was having his medical at Watford on the Friday of the Burnley game, um, having chats. And then he was announced on a Saturday before Emmanuel Dennis even left the football club. And then Emmanuel Dennis got announced as a Forest player Saturday evening in that tacky old club or something with all the laser beams flying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And I do think that they've got a plan for Ismail Asara as well. I, I think they've got a player lined up to bring in a, if a suitable offer comes in for Ismail Asara. I just pray to hope I hope that they've covered this with Joel Pedro. I hope they've not been silly where they think we rate Joel Pedro, but I don't think we're going to get any offers for him yet. I think maybe they're thinking maybe we might get offers at the end of the season after a good season at Watford. I just hope they have put plans in place already for him because we all saw the potential with Joel Pedro. I think a few weeks ago he was linked with a move over to Benfica or something over in Portugal so there is teams out there in the world that know of Jao Pedro and know what his potential is so hopefully there's a plan if he does go they'll look to bring people in like we've seen a list of Watford players before of who they might target to bring in like striker wise and proven championship players like Peru at uh, Swansea City or um, Lucas Jao and players like that so there could quite possibly be a, um, a player lined up and it, it we're just going to have to wait and see, really. Um, also, Mike, another one about Joe Pedro before we move on as well. And I've seen Joe Thomas's um, comment as well, and I'll read it out in a sec. Um, do you think that Gino and Scott have seen this offer from Newcastle United and think we're going to make a big profit on this? And in the back of their heads, they're regretting not cashing in on players before and then lost market bail on players with the likes of Etienne Capu, Ismail Asara in his season in the Premier League, um the list goes on, Decore as well. Do you reckon that's playing in the back of their head thinking we can't 
afford to lose market value on players? Um, possibly, but I think at the same time, they've been in the football game long enough to know that this happens. You, you know, you, you never know how a player's going to, you know, pan out. And on the flip side of that, to play devil's advocate, they would have sold players for more than they're worth. We would have got a lot more money for players that then would have gone on to do absolutely horrendously. So I think it works both ways. And I think they'll know about that. Um, I think they know the potential that Jao Pedro has got. The fact that he's still so young as well. Um, they, this is why I just can't understand why we'd accept 25 million or 30 million. Mm. I just think it's it, it's it's not what I'd expect. And, you know, there, there might be other fans watching this. I don't know why, but there might be other fans watching this thinking, well, hang on a minute, like you, you're Watford, you're playing in the Championship and you're saying you wouldn't take 25 or 30 million for your striker. No, I wouldn't. Not Joe Pedro, not with where he's going to go. Um, I, I just think that it'd be a real shame to lose him and we'd 100% need to get someone in um, because the, the, the attacking options we've got at the moment alone aren't aren't enough to, to cover his, his loss. So I don't think Davis will chip in. He'll chip in with the odd goal. You know, he only got five goals at Forest. I don't think he'll reach double figures, but he will be a key part to creating chances. And unfortunately, if we've not got players like João Pedro, we're going to struggle to put those chances away. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to think that the Pachos will have a bit more sense in terms of how much they they can get for him. Uh, like I say, you know, they like to bring them in cheap and then sell them off for big, big uh, sort of fees. And uh, I don't think 30 million or 25 really touches the edges for Joe Pedro. Yeah, um, just quickly, last thing, what we'll say about Joe Pedro and that you saying about you wouldn't accept those kind of offers. In your head, what kind of offer would you accept for Joe Pedro? Not saying this is going in your back pocket, but if yeah. he was Mr. Gino Pozzo and, and Scott Duxbury, and yes, they've promised that Joe Pedro would say, but sometimes there is an offer too good to turn down. What would that offer be for you? Because in my head, I think, I think forty million. I think that's a fair price. That, that, that's, if if I was Gino and Scott and I had an offer of forty million for Jao Pedro for one player, forty million, I I, I would accept that. What do you reckon, Mike? Hundred percent. I was going to say that forty million. Uh, and people might watch back and laugh at us and say, "Did you hear those guys on Voices of Vic saying forty million for Pedro?" I want what they're drinking, but. Honestly, I just think he's got that much potential. Forty yeah. million for me, um, and people will see why in years, uh, because I, I do genuinely think he's, he's, 20 he's going to years so. old as exactly. well. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's mine and Mike's um, take on the Joe Pedro situation. Um, let us know your thoughts below on Joe Pedro as well. Um, with everyone watching on YouTube, Joe Thomas says that the issue with Pedro is that. It's not just his forward play that we rely on. It's the way he drops back into midfield, creates things from there, and also puts in a foot to stop teams attacking. If we lose him, we aren't going to get a player that is as good as him, in my opinion, and it's a heartbreaker. And yeah, the work rate, the willingness to get back, the, the defensive work that he does, the, the ball carrying, the creating opportunities, getting in the right places at the right time, scoring on the opening day against Sheffield United, 20 years old. What a player he is, and it's such a shame to see him move on from Watford. But who knows? It's not officially done. Hopefully, this is all crap, and 
He's going to feature at Preston, score a hat-trick, uh, be the first one to score a goal against Preston because they've not conceded a goal yet. Uh, I think they're the only team that football league that haven't conceded in four games. So, fair play to him. But, yeah, maybe he might stick around just to stick one past them, just to be like, yeah, up yours, um, Ryan Lowe. Um, but, yeah, uh, and then Joe Thomas has also said, well, you mentioned about losing value on players and, and what has been said for, for the club have turned down 25 million for Saar and the club are trying to break even with him rather than lose money on him. So it's not a done deal with him. I think if we get 32 million with some add-ons, he could go, but but someone will pay that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, that's our take on Joe Pedro. Um, let's talk about some incomings, Mike, um, very mm. quickly before we wrap it up. I won't go into depth in this. Uh, I heard before we started recording that Courtney Howes of Aston Villa, the left-footed centre-back, we were all crying out for. Mm. He has potentially agreed a move with Watford and it's a season-long loan with an option to buy. Um, so similar to Keenan Davis uh, and Hamza Chowdhury. So I don't know how reliable... <laughs> that news is but I'm just saying that's what I've heard today and it's been rumoured with Avon Lemitar that Watford are in talks with him as well um, and have been in talks with him for a while because he hasn't mm. just came back from injury so I think that's why there's been a delay in trying to get him over a door so I was listening to um, a Twitter space last night and one of the fans on there was going mental and kicking off and he was like why hasn't Rob Edwards brought in Courtney Howes and it's like mm. Of course, things like this does take a bit of time. Like the Premier League club has to be willing to let that player go. They've got to maybe bring in a player to replace that player. And Courtney involves has actually came back from an injury as well. So he needs to build up his fitness. Maybe Watford don't want to sign an injured injured player and we're waiting for him to build up his fitness first before he actually makes a transfer. So that's why he probably hasn't made that move to Watford yet. But Mike, would you be pleased with the addition of Courtney Hawes? Uh, yeah, I would. I think the season at Villa, um, we're, we're in the Championship to come back up. He was he played a, a key role um, for Aston Villa that season. And I think as well, just to go off the back of what you just said there, why hasn't it been done? You've got to remember the Premier League started after, so they're still re reevaluating who's going to be in their squad and who's not. And Diego Carlos, who was one of their big summer signings, a centre-back, yeah. has just been injured and he's going to be injured for six to nine months. So they're probably at the club now thinking, well, can we play Hawes or can we get someone else in and let Hawes go? So that will be, uh, you know, that will slow the process down. But from what it sounds like, as you said, it sounds like they're willing to let him go out on loan. But left-sided centre-back then, we, we've been screaming out for it. You know, we've we got, we got good money for Samir. No one's kicking off about him going. Uh, we got very good money for him, six million uh, pounds, I think it was. So yeah. you know, great money for him, and again, shows that the Pots have made some really good money this season. Um, but yeah, we've we've been screaming out for a left-sided sided centre back. It just flows so much better if you're playing a back three, uh, and I'd welcome him. And um, yeah, very experienced in the Championship, which is what you need. Maybe question marks over if we were to get promoted, would he cut it in the Prem? But Let's just focus on, you know, this season and, and finishing the best that we can in the league. Made me laugh about that, Diego Carlos as well. With Aston Villa, who's been ruled out for up to like six months or so, or the whole of the season because of ACL or something ruptured. Mm. I think um, one of our mates put something in the WhatsApp group that we're in, and he was saying that bloody typical 
for Villa um, before joining Aston Villa. I think he's only missed like six games in his whole entire career. And now he's joined Aston Villa and he's out for like six, seven months. And he was just like, it's just some bloody luck. So mm-hmm. that did make me chuckle. But obviously, hopefully he makes a good recovery. Um, mm-hmm. Another defender linked with a move to Watford, Mike, and it looks like a permanent deal. It's going to be Jack Stevens joining from Southampton, the 28-year-old. He's been at Southampton for nine years now. Um, Southampton fans seem to like him and I've seen a lot of Southampton fans that would be unhappy if he does leave the club. Um, what's your take on um, Jack Stevens? Yeah, I can't say I know too much about him as a player, to be honest. Like yourself, I've gone off what the Southampton fans have said. A lot of them have said he can't, he, you know, perhaps doesn't cut it in the Premier League, but would be a great addition to a championship side. So he's he's going to have to be one of them where if he joins, we'll, we'll judge him once he, he gets going, really. But um, experience, as you said, being at Southampton for nine years. Uh, I looked at his stats, played a decent amount of games as well. So anyone that's played that amount of games in the Premier League for the Southampton side, who, generally speaking, tend to do well. And uh, I know they've lost 9 nil a couple of times, but generally speaking, tend to do well. Um, I, I'd welcome it, you know, another experienced defender. So happy days, bring him in. Yeah, and we're going to have to wrap it up now because my daughter's literally just woken up now. I think I've been talking so loud. But yeah, we've covered literally everything I wanted to do. So yeah, thank you so much for everyone who's watched and interacted with us tonight. If, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like button. Don't forget, forget to hit that subscribe button. And thank you very much for sticking with us and, and carrying on growing Voices of Vic. Um, so yeah, that's me and Mike signing off now. Um, stay safe and hopefully three points at Preston North End at the weekend. And come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.